If you would turn with me to Romans chapter 1 in your Bibles, or look it up on your mobile device. We're going to be reading from Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20 this morning. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Would you pray with me? Father, I'm so very grateful that... uh, your anger against us uh, has been withheld because of the work that your son Jesus did on the cross for us. We are covered with his blood, we are protected by him, and as Edwin has reminded us, we are justified. And as such, we do not have to experience your wrath. Lord, we want to learn more about you this morning, and we want to hear your voice and uh, understand this word in this book that you have written for us. And so I pray that you will help Keith this morning, that you will encourage him and strengthen him, that you will give him clarity of thought and purpose as he brings the message that you have laid on his heart to us this morning. And we thank you for working through him and ask that uh, the words that he brings to us this morning and the words of your scripture would speak to us each in the way that we need to know and hear from you. We thank you for your presence with us and we give you all the glory. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. Thank you, uh, Kenny, for leading us in worship and for those that have shared in open worship or perhaps shared something in the online space um, to encourage one another and to be a blessing. Uh, Thank you for uh, listening to the Lord and preparing your hearts. 
It's my privilege to open God's word today. <clears throat> and as Julie prayed, um, that, that is on my heart as well. Uh, Romans is such a powerful uh, passage that was written to a people that just like us needed the Lord's grace and his mercy. And so we're going to explore in a small scale uh, parts of Romans over the next few weeks to ask the Lord to speak to us, but I'm also going to ask a lot of you because uh, there is so much to be gleaned from Romans. It, it would take quite a number of weeks to get through one chapter at a time. Um, so I'm only going to touch on just a few verses. Here's my hope. My hope is that as we open the book of Romans together, as we read through the, the challenges and the difficult passages that, that Paul goes through, my hope is that you won't be able to walk away unchanged. I think as, as Paul wrote these challenging words, profound words that spoke to our sinful condition, each one of us, speaking to God's grace that was extended through Jesus Christ and washes all of us clean if we will have a faith and a trust in him. This book this writing, this letter speaks sometimes in a harsh tone. But I don't want us to be afraid of harshness. When we see from God's perspective, I don't want us to read into it that it's only judgment and no grace. Because God, in his goodness and in his mercy and in his perfection, he is full of both grace and judgment. You can't separate God from grace and judgment. He is perfectly good in his judgment, and he's perfectly good in his grace. We see this come together in a richness, and I went to the... Uh, the mid-year gathering that the friends do. Um, and one of the songs stuck out to me, and it's, it's a series of prayers, but there's these lines. They're so simple, yet so good. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. And that truly is my prayer, that we would see Christ's mercy that as we pray for others, we would have the heart and the compassion of Christ. All around the globe, happening in different instances, whether you read an article as Diane shared this morning in, in open worship of those imprisoned for proclaiming the truth and for opening the doors of the church. And I know we live in distinct times where it is a beauty to be gathered. And we shouldn't take things for granted. But we also recognize how the Lord is on the move, whether it be in a remote African village, a, a church in Europe that hasn't been darkened by a gathered, worshipful person in many number of years, but that that person has a dream from Jesus that 
compels them to go in and to read God's word for the first time. God doesn't always need our help. He rarely does need our help. He's on the move in all tribes, all peoples, all over the globe. And if you doubt that, my hope is to convince you today that God is revealing himself and he doesn't need our help. So that is how Romans enters into this conversation. When we start to ask the difficult questions, this thought came to my mind, and it's a quote from Richard Rohr, and it says, Everybody talks about the profound difficulty with evil in the world. We spent centuries trying to solve the problem of evil, yet I believe the much more confounding and astounding issue is the problem of good. How do we account for so much gratuitous and sheer goodness in the world? Tackling this problem would achieve much better results. We could fill books with all the problems of the world, but if you'll flip that script and recognize that God is good and his goodness is on display in each and every moment on the molecular and the universal sense, he is present. And not just his fingerprint everywhere, but it is his masterpiece that is everywhere. He is good and his mercies are new. So as I say, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Help me, Lord, have mercy to see the mercies of Christ. So as we explore Romans together, I really do hope, as I've said before, that this will change you. These profound words, these writings will mesmerize you. They will pull you into a, a new thought, a new challenge, a new perspective. Maybe something that you haven't thought before. Or it's a, new, uh, it's a truth that you needed to be reminded of. And as I said before... We're only going to cover a little bit. So today will be Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, yes. But I will challenge you that you have some homework, and there's going to be homework each week. There's going to be the, the task of reading the entire chapter. It's not that long. This is actually one of the longer chapters. It's 31 or so verses. I'd have to look and double check. I could, it's right in front of me. Why don't I just, 32 verses. So it's not that bad. And if you really uh, take some time to read it, that would be my encouragement to you because there is much more richness to be beheld in your own reading as well. I want us to understand, I want us to process, myself included, that the creator God, the God of this universe, is knowable. He also wants to know you. He wants you to recognize him. And to recognize the God of this universe is a worshipful, brilliant thought. It is spiritually brilliant to recognize the creator and to have relationship with him. So let's read these verses again as Julie has already, but let's take a pause after each verse. Verse 18. 
But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Not the most exciting verse probably you've ever read. But it does reveal the heart of God from Paul's perspective. He's writing these words as God prompts him to write them down. You see, God does see sin. He does see wickedness. He also wants us to know that there is truth. If you see wickedness, then you also know on the opposite side there is truth and goodness. You can't separate the two. Because you know of wickedness, you also know of goodness. You know evil in the world, but you also know the good in the world. That's why when one person betrays you, it's worthwhile to say, but not everyone will betray me. And at the end of the day, God will never betray you. I know that with certainty. Men and women will fail me. I will fail others. I am human. I am not perfection. I am not God. I don't ascribe to be God. I don't announce that I'm God. I know that at the end of the day, I will fail you. But God won't. So his truth, I want it to ring true, and I want it to be on your thought that God will not fail you. And I don't just say this as a fleeting thought. I've been desperate at times as well. And the Lord has comforted me. The Lord has brought people into my life in those situations that had to be from God. People have prayed for me in those dark moments. And God has revealed his heart for me. And I pray that you will ask of the Lord to reveal himself to you. There's a special type of judgment for those that will hide or suppress the truth. We see this in the verse 18. So if you are suppressing the truth, holding people back from hearing the truth of God, God's anger is upon you. Don't trade the truth about God for a lie. If you read on in this, this passage, Romans 1, verse 25, it even goes on to say, they traded the truth about God for a lie, and they, so, so they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Don't let us chase people and things and worshiping those things rather than worshiping the one true God. 19. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. Now, I don't know where you're at in your walk, but these types of statements demand some evidence, and we're going to get there. I might hit pause on this thought for a bit. Because there are so many things in this world that reveal the true nature, the true wisdom, the true godliness of God that astound me. And I hope that it becomes more and more obvious to you 
that there is a creator that loves you. Verse 20, let's read it again. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Have you ever walked outside and been mesmerized that creation seems to be declaring that God exists? Whether it's on the molecular level or looking up into the heavens, you recognize how small you become in that moment. But you, don't, don't uh, second guess how magnificent you are. You're not just a hunk of junk that is walking around aimlessly. You are very created. You are loved. You are unique. You are formed by the God of this universe who took a moment to make you. How beautiful. We see this with Adam, the first man, when God did what? He breathed life into him, formed him, made him. We see this with Eve as well. As she was made from a rib from Adam and God formed the woman to be the partner and to complete this beautiful, perfect couple together for God's glory. So whether you're looking through a microscope or a telescope, I hope today that you are caused to wonder. And so I share these next two examples because I think God just shows off a lot. And I think it's worthwhile to applaud God and say we notice and we still don't get it. And I think when we think we get it, you should probably look at it again. I remember I had a task in uh, high school, I'll chase this bunny for just a bit, where the, it was an English class and they wanted us to read the story and we had to pull all these things out of a story, like 25 things out of a story. It was such a complicated task. And then when we got done, the, the teacher grabbed all of our written things and he erased them all and he said, now I want 25 new things for you to pull out of this. And we were, oh, we just investigated that. We worked so hard. And he said, yeah, try, do it again. Nothing, you can't repeat anything. There are so many things about God that if you were to try and make a list, I know my list would fall short of the magnitude of God's goodness. So let's look at these two examples. They're pretty fun. Now, I'm not a scientist. I can't tell you every detail of this. This will actually be more impressive if you are a scientist because you will complete these thoughts for me and say, Keith, this is actually more impressive if you would look at this perspective. The first one is to look at the galaxies in this world. So we can only see so far with our eyes. But as they create telescopes that go further and further and further, we know that it goes for a really, 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 really long way. As of now, I don't know if this has changed in the last year or so, 
we can observe and see as far as our telescopes will take us 46 billion light years away. Try to wrap your head around that number. And it might sound like, oh, Keith, that's, that's cool and all. That doesn't really make a whole lot of difference in my life. Well, if you were traveling at the speed of light, which is 186,282 miles per, per second, it would take you 46 billion years traveling at that speed to get to the known edge of the universe. You can't withstand going at the speed of light. Your body wouldn't like it. You would turn into goo, probably, or something. <laughs> going at that speed. 46 billion years at that speed just to get to that edge. You know how many galaxies and solar systems and things we haven't even tried to look at yet that are between here and there? And it's not like it just goes in a linear line. It doesn't just go there. This goes this way, this way, this way, this way, and all the other angles in between. So when you think that God isn't impressive, when you think that all of this stuff just randomly happened, I want you to second-guess that thought. This, is all, this all has a plan. This is all working together. These are all revolving around, our sun is really small. These are all revolving around their own star suns that are creating them, their orbit and the movement. Like I said, I'm gonna become less intelligent just trying to understand half of this. But each one of these is extremely complicated and mathematically precise. And if you think that just came by chance, you are mistaken. So God, in his creativity and in his godness, blows me away. Now, when you look at the... There's other ways to look at this. Now, if you grab the microscope, I think it's, it's even more... There's another aspect that's just so fascinating to me. But if we are to look at our DNA... And I know this is just a, an example. Don't, don't criticize me. I didn't do this work. There's, all those colors mean something, but I'm not going to tell you what they mean. <laughs> but if we looked at the DNA and we were to write out your human genome, there are three billion letters that make up you to be able to create that spiral. Every part of you holds a genetic strand that's why your cells keep, when they die, they re, they're reproduced, and it creates the shape of your face and different things, and you are who you are based on your coding. If you were to sit down and try and write that out, those three billion letters, it would take a really skilled typist. It would take them working eight hours a day for 50 years just to write down your human genetic genome code. It would fill 5,000 books. And that stack would be over 200 feet high, and that's just you. And you can't change those letters because you get them wrong and it's not you anymore. So that letter, that code, that re repetition that is you means that you are unique, planned, and wonderfully made, and loved. And so when you second guess, I'm just nothing, God. 
I beg to differ. There are so many scientific reasons why you matter, why you are loved. So why do I bring this all up? I want the magnitude but of everything that has been created to resound and, and force you to think a new way. To say that you are complex is an understatement. To say that this galaxy is complex, this universe is complex, is the understatement of the year. There is so much at stake here. So don't say that things are random. Say that God is in control. Don't wonder if God notices you. He does. Let me just tell you, he knows you and loves you exactly the way he made you to be. So when we read, and let's go back, if we could, to the verses. When we go back to these verses, it should astound us. It should challenge us. That God has been a part of every generation, as we see in verse 19 and what was being spoken in 20 as well. He's speaking to the Romans, yes, and it was true for them, yes, but for us today, God is making himself obvious to us. In everything he's created, no matter how far we try to define God and explain away scientifically how everything works and we've got it all figured out, oh, and if you grab this and grab this and combine this, oh, see, we can make things too. One of the most profound and lovely things that I've seen, there's a lot of really articulate uh, presenters, but I, I've, when I was in college, I listened a lot to Christian scientists that were arguing with uh, atheist scientists. And the one that always got me to chuckle, but I felt it was so good and so accurate, they would say, well, if you go back to the beginning, this is the atheist, you go back to whatever the beginning was that all the things hadn't exploded into being yet. And then when they did explode, you know, it's the Big Bang theory and everything began to expand and that's why our universe is expanding and moving and out and we see that there's a central point and blah, blah, blah. It just keeps going. Great, it is really impressive. But the Christian scientist said, that's this really fascinating, your theories that you've got there. He said, what, what happened right before the bang? Well, there's just kind of some, this is the atheist now speaking, he said, there's just kind of this floating around of particles and stuff. They're just kind of all around. He said, oh, okay, before that. What was before that? Well, there's nothing before that. Oh. And so the, the Christian scientist said, can I, can I tell you about the nothing that created all of that? And it really started to make sense to me. I can't explain to you the process of how God made everything, but I also know that it goes back to a point where I have belief that it was started by a supreme creational being. Amen. And I say that is God. And I say that it is good. And I say that it is planned. And I say that it is precise. And I see that it is wonderful 
When I look at an animal, I don't just go, well, that's just weird. That must have been an accident. That animal is impressive to me because it was created. I don't always know their purpose, like list your list of weird creatures, whether it be ticks or snakes or spiders or whatever it may be. I do know they have a purpose, yes. Some of us would argue they don't. I think the mosquito might be the one that I don't really see its worth, but I'll talk to God about that. (laughs) But I, I want us to see and I want us to appreciate that we should get our priorities in order because I want us to come to this place, to this gathering, to this online space and say, Lord, I want to rest in the truth of you. I want to rest in your beauty and your wonder because God should cause you to wonder. When I sit down to praise and worship God, I don't always have it all figured out. In fact, when I come to him, I, I even say, I don't get this. I don't understand this. This is puzzling to me, God. God can handle that. When I have deep questions, God can handle those too. I want us to go now to verses 30 and 31. You see, selfishness leads to deeper sin. Sin leads us to evil deeds and actions and thoughts This leads us towards idol worship, and idol worship leads us towards further self-pleasure with no regard for rules and boundaries. And this leads us towards lack of integrity, leads us toward darker deeds and actions, which ends in us encouraging others to join us in that sin. So this is what I believe Paul is saying when he gets to 30 and 31. He's saying they are backstabbers. They are haters of God. These are the people that have chased and pursued sin and made sin of their, every fiber of their being, their, their interest. So they're haters of God. They're insolent. They're proud and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning. We're good at that. We create new ways of sinning all the time, right? I mean, I, I, I'm guilty as well. And they disobey their parents. It's a good one to put at the end there. They refuse to understand. They break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. So as you pray today, my hope is that you'll say, God, not me. I want to believe that you are true and you are good and you love me. My prayer is that you'll be pushed further in your faith today. My prayer is that you will be a truth seeker. And if you believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and he is worthy of your praise and your trust, that you will begin to worship him in a new way. You will walk away from here changed knowing that God loves you. So I say, I wrote it as the the initial thought of writing this sermon, to see and to know and to be known by God. That is my hope. That is my dream. That's my aspiration as being a pastor, your pastor. I want you to know this beautiful, amazing God because he loves you. I'm going to switch gears for just a second, and then we're going to be worshiping some more. So there's going to be a guide that is going to be clicked through. 
This is not for you guys that are here in attendance. Hopefully, you grab one of the half sheets of paper. It's the same information, I promise you. Uh, but these, I, I want the, those online, I just want them to see. So go ahead, Joseph, and click that for me. So they're just going to see these three slides, and they can come back to these. My hope is that you will do further study this week. Um, so he's just showing you, but there's a piece of paper that you can grab before you leave today. My hope is it will take time to read these things, to do further study, if that is what you're interested in today. Um, but with that, I'm going to pray, and Kenny's going to lead us in more worship. So let's pray in closing today. Jesus, we love you, and we worship you. We've been worshiping you, and this, this day is... This, whether it's the end of our week or the start of our new week, Lord, we celebrate what was and we pray for what will be. We celebrate you, God, that you are worthy of our praise and adoration. We are in wonder and awe of your creation. And whether we are more enamored with the beauty of creation or not, I pray that each person here knows that this Jesus that Paul was speaking of, he desires, Jesus desires to be in our heart, to be in our head, to be in our actions. But that takes faith. That takes trust. So Jesus, we trust you. And if anyone doesn't have a relationship with you, Jesus, that they would commit to praying to you today, giving their life to you, saying, Jesus, I give you my life. I trust you with my life. You are worthy of my worship. Thank you, Jesus, for this place that we can gather. Help us to use these things we've heard and read today for your glory. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.